Okay, so today we're looking at the consequences of World War I, and this is part two. Last time we did the rest of the world, the uh, Europe, sorry, and this time we're doing the rest of the world. So, a very quick recap from last time. We talked about the fact that at the Treaty of Versailles, you had three major powers who made all the decisions. You had France, you had Britain, and you had America. These three nations, they all wanted different things. America, which saw itself, as it still sees itself today, as the champion of freedom, democracy, and also the champion for itself. It basically wanted America to be richer and more powerful. Britain, it didn't want Germany to be a military threat, but it also didn't want to destroy Germany's economy. It still wanted to trade with Germany. But basically what Britain wanted was to expand its own empire. France, very different. France had been devastated and destroyed in World War I, and it wanted revenge against Germany. It wanted Germany to pay, and it wanted Germany to say that it was entirely responsible. Terms of the Treaty of Versailles, which we talked about, was basically France got it way. Germany had to say the war is all our fault and pay huge amounts of reparations. Remember, it didn't finish paying these off until 2009. Germany lost 30% of its territory, including a lot of its industrial territory. It lost all of its colonies. Its military was made very, very small, and its major ally, Austria-Hungary, was broken up and given to other different countries. Now, this treaty was unbelievably stupid because it essentially sowed the seeds of many future conflicts because Russia, the central powers, Italy, the colonies, no one was really given a say apart from the big three. Italy was particularly unhappy because it gained very, very little, despite having joined the Allies and then promising him a lot. It didn't get what it wanted, which was its empire in Africa. Germany was incredibly unhappy, obviously. The country had lost millions of people. There was starvation. It was economically devastated. And many, especially in the German military, saw a plot by this sort of group of Jewish uh, financiers, bankers, from politicians back home to stab the army in the back when they could have won the war themselves. On top of this, there was the flu epidemic called the Spanish flu, which from 1918 to 1920 probably killed about 20 to 15 million people. That's more than in all of World War I. So it makes our current coronavirus look like nothing. All of this as we will talk next period, led to World War II. An unhappy Germany, an unhappy Italy, economic devastation, and basically huge unfairness because of these treaty terms. Now, today I want to focus then on the rest of the world. What happened in Africa, Asia, the Middle East? I'm going to talk about uh, five different things. League of Nations, the end of the Ottoman Empire, the Balfour Declaration, and then what happened in Africa and in Asia. So World War I has many important consequences that are still with us today. In particular, the United Nations, the states and conflicts in the Middle East, and the very existence of the state of Israel. Now, after World War I, one of the key points that President Wilson of America wanted 
was something, the development of something called the League of Nations. This was this idea that you would have a group of nations that would sit together and try and solve conflicts with diplomacy, not with war. Now, this particular organization had big problems. The United States, despite saying they wanted it, didn't actually join it, and neither did other countries like Russia. In addition, this was a place where people would come together to talk, and talk and diplomacy is often not as effective as armies, tanks, and guns. So the League of Nations wasn't actually very useful or effective, but it did lead, after the Second World War, to the United Nations, which we have today. Now, the UN, you can see them now all over the news. These actually does have armies and soldiers. It is sent in peacekeeping missions all over the world. But its origins come after the First World War, where people saw that conflicts in one part of the world cannot be solved just by that part of the world. You need an international group or body in order to uh, solve them. The other big consequence for the rest of the world was the end of the Ottoman Empire. Now, the Ottoman Empire, at its height, was huge. It was basically North Africa, a lot of southeastern Europe, Turkey, the Middle East, some parts of Saudi Arabia. But since the 18th century, it had been getting smaller and smaller. In 1914, it was still very big. It was still basically what uh, is now all of Turkey, most of the Middle East, and quite a lot of Saudi Arabia. It was allied with Germany, so it was part of the Central Powers, and it mobilized 2.6 million men. Now, of these, you had nearly over 300,000 dead, 400,000 injured, and nearly 200,000 captured. So this was a big, big impact for this part of the world. Just one campaign to give an idea about how serious the fighting was when the Allies, that was Britain and France, tried to capture what is now Istanbul. There was a campaign called Gallipoli, and this led to about nearly 200,000 casualties. So the fighting in the Middle East was just as serious as the fighting on the Western Front. The conflict uh, in the Ottoman Empire, um, yeah, it was really terrible in many parts. To give one example, there's something called the Armenian Genocide. Now, the Armenians, it is now a country today, they were a Christian minority and Christelic minoritied in the Ottoman Empire. In around 1916, the Ottomans thought that these people may join with the Allies. So there was a campaign to kill or force these people out of what is now Turkey. Now, we estimate that over a million people died during this, either because they were killed or because they died of starvation or thirst, having been forced out of their homes. This is still a big problem today. Turkey denies this ever happens. Many other countries in the world say it did happen. But there is no doubt many, many people died as a result. The Arab Revolt was an extremely important part of the conflict in the Middle East. Now, the Ottoman Empire was controlled by people who were, let's say, ethnically Turkish. But many people in their empire were uh, ethnically Arab. Now, the British promised the Arabs that they would get their independence, that one of Hanklikaid, if they supported the British and the Allies in the war effort. Now, spoiler alert here, but do not trust white people if they tell you that they will give you things and these people want empire, because what happened in 1916 was an Englishman called Mr. Sykes and a Frenchman called Monsieur Picot 
decided that they weren't going to keep their promise to the Arabs, and after the war they would make new colonies for themselves in the Middle East. The French would get Syria, the British would get what is now basically Jordan, Iraq, and many of the Gulf states. A reason for this was, one, they wanted a bigger empire, but also the Middle East has got a lot of oil. And the Industrial Revolution was moving from stain coal, from coal, towards oil, and they wanted to capture this after the, uh, after the end of the war. So, at the end of the war, part of the Treaty of Dersides was something called the Treaty of Sevres. And in this, as you can see from the map, the British got the oil fields of Iraq, and what is now Jordan, the French got Syria, and Turkey was divided up uh, among the Italians uh, and other powers. However, the Turks didn't like this very much, and under the leadership of a guy called Kemal Ataturk, the father of the Turks, they basically created what is now the state of Turkey. So the First World War, all of these borders that you can see in Turkey and the Middle East, these were 100 depend dependent on what happened after the First World War. Perhaps even more significantly, um, there was something in 1917 called the Balfour Declaration. Now, we remember you had the Mr. Sykes and Monsieur Picot uh, agree to divide up the Middle East after the First World War. They also decided that they would give a state called Palestine to the Jews. Now, there is a very long and complicated story here, but basically Jewish people had been trying to find a state for themselves, mainly because they had been persecuted and murdered by Christians for the past 2,000 years. In 1917, the British promised a homeland for the Jews in what is now Israel, but what was then called Palestine. Now, very long, complicated story, but basically in 1948, a new state of Israel was formed, which was the world's first and only Jewish state. However, people kind of forgot to take into account that there were already lots of Arabs and other people living in what is now Israel. And it is basically the source of a lot of conflict and problem in the Middle East. Read up on it. It's complicated, interesting, and extremely important. Africa suffered enormously in the First World War. Over two million Africans were mobilized either to fight in the colonies, basically to capture German territories in what is now uh, Tanzania, Cameroon, and also sent to Europe, either to fight or act as porters or laborers. And there were around one million casualties, both soldiers and civilians, of Africans in Europe uh, and in Africa itself. Many Asians were sent mainly from uh, India, but also from what is now Vietnam and from China. Now, the effect of this in Asia and Africa was really crucial because up until this point, for about 100 years, people in Africa and Asia had only seen Europeans as basically you couldn't beat them. They came with this industrial technology. And once the Europeans had conquered their uh, colonies in Africa and Asia, they had done this sort of propaganda which say, look, white people, you can't beat them. They're essentially invincible. However, colonial soldiers, laborers and porters go to Europe and they see white soldiers bleed. They see white soldiers dying and they realize that this idea of invincibility is not true. White people just happen to have better guns than they did. And if they simply get hold of the same guns that Europeans had, there's no reason why they should be colonies of Europe. 
And many of the future anti-colonial leaders, and we'll be studying this in future uh, in our say, they basically bring this message home saying, Europeans are not invincible. We get hold of the same guns and weaponry as they have, and we can gain our freedom. Good example of this is Ho Chi Minh, who will lead the Vietnamese in the Vietnam, uh, Vietnamese War in, uh, after the Second World War against America. So this is what we cover today. League of Nations, end of the Open Empire, Balfour Declaration, and the impacts in Africa and Asia. The theory is in Lernby 2.3, 9 and 10. And uh, that's the end of today's.